understand this movie pete uh you know i'm not gonna say i understand it but i'm gonna say that you know the, i let the movie wash over me yes <laughs> it's that kind of a movie. It, re- it really is um but i'm i'm very glad that we're here to talk about it today listeners my name is pete and i'm scott and these are the movies that made us gay yes good our very very good friend marlene marlene welcome back to the show welcome Last on the podcast for Truth or Dare. I have to say, I listened to the Truth or Dare episode a few months ago when I was doing laundry. I sometimes do a little walk around the neighborhood as I'm waiting for my clothes to dry. And I put on the Truth or Dare episode and... It is a banger. It is probably one of my, I have to say, top five oh, wow. of my favorite episodes. Wow. It's really good. How about that? I love to hear that. Yeah, that, that's a fun episode. Uh, this movie, I mean, we wanted to have you on for this movie because, I mean, we just, we need to talk about River Phoenix. Scott, why don't you talk about what we watched today? We got to My Own Private Idaho, written, directed by Gus Van Sant, premiered at the Venice Film Festival September 4th, 1991, went on to its limited release in the state September 29th of that month. My Own Private Idaho. Essential new queer cinema. So it is important for us to talk about on the show. Absolutely. Um, And I mean, we just, like, 
I think the three of us kind of had our own kind of fan relationship with River Phoenix and Marlene. That, like I said, that's kind of why we wanted to bring you on to talk about this one. He came up today. We were we were talking a couple weeks ago. I mean, I feel like it was only like last week of that you really wanted to talk about River Phoenix, and it is important. Yeah, I mean, River Phoenix uh, came onto my radar. Probably, well, I saw him in that Family Ties episode where oh he was like, <laughs> Alex uh, tried to set Jennifer up with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was four years older than me. I was going to say ballpark around the same age group. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say we're the same age group, you know, four mm-hmm. years apart. Um, I, you know, I, he was in all of the teen magazines, but the first movie of his that I saw was um, I Love You to Death. Right. I was... 15 was my sophomore year. It came out. I saw it at the Santa Anita Mall with of my best friend at the time. <gasps> Santa Anita Mall Cinema, Marlene? <laughs> yeah. That's our old that's stopping our, ground. That's yes. our, that's our old, old multiplex AMC, before yeah. we moved out of Pasadena. <laughs> yes. And, you know, the, I, he he adorned, his, his pictures adorned the lockers of girls in my class at school. But that movie, when I saw that movie, he just enchanted me. Right. So that was when River Phoenix really came into my awareness, and I loved that film. Um, And then, of course, My Own Private Idaho came out a year after that, and the two films could not be more different. Oh, absolutely. Even though they both have River and Keanu. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, kind of when Gus Van Sant sent out these scripts, he, he sent one to Keanu and River, but... The script didn't get past River's representation at the time. But Keanu really responded to the story and the script. And Keanu was like, you know what? I'm going to track him down. And he went down to Florida on his motorcycle to, like, hand deliver him the script. From where? From, like, Louisiana? From, like, Hawaii? I don't know. I just expect from, like... The Hollywood Hills. I don't know. <laughs> but he drove down um, to Florida on a motorcycle to back. personally hand him the sure, script. Sure, sure, sure. When they, when they uh, were promoting this film, they did an interview. But the, the, it, I, I don't know if it was River interviewing Keanu or Keanu sure, interviewing sure. River in Interview Magazine, where okay. they talk about their decision. And I believe they were, like, driving around Los Angeles and the Fairfax area, like, debating with each other. Like, should we do this? Should we do this? And they were both very, they decided, like, we're doing this. Right. Because, I mean, in 1991, the subject matter is very... uh, I'm sure that... mm -hmm. Almost a taboo subject matter for two straight heartthrob actors to take on queer... Hustler characters. I'm sure that all of their movie. representation advised them not to. Well, that's probably why yep. it didn't get even to River. Get didn't even get to see it the first time it came to him because his his, his managers were like, "No, he's not going to be in this movie." And if you think about it, you put yourself in River's position at the time that he probably saw a movie like Drugstore Cowboy that came out in 1989, and that really got Gus the recognition in independent cinema. And he probably knew, I need to make a movie like this. I need to get out of the teen magazines, and I need to start doing serious work. To his credit, River Phoenix really kind of didn't do a lot of teen movies. Sure. He just had that look. He had that face. He was just in teen magazines because he was young. He was a teenager, and he was an actor. But, I mean, after, you know, Stand By Me, and maybe, like, I Love You to Death... 
all of his movies were a little bit edgier, more on the dramatic side. You know, he wasn't doing a lot of these like teeny bopper. I don't think movies. he ever wanted to be a heart no. heartthrob. No. Yeah, he always wanted not. to be a yeah. serious. But I think that something of, like yeah. My Own Pride Idaho would really seal the deal. No, yeah, absolutely. Where but, his yeah. career was going. Yeah, but he wasn't doing. You know, he wasn't doing Bill and Ted or anything. I think this was Keanu's real kind of way to show that like take me serious as an actor kind of a thing and and river just kind of i think he just wanted to work with gus really and then you know to kind of expand uh his his range but i remember seeing river phoenix for the first time as a very small child i was probably about seven years old and I went to the theater, and my parents took me to see a movie directed by Joe Dante, starring River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke, called Explorers. You love Explorers. Yes. Love Explorers. Uh, River Phoenix plays a nerdy, sciencey kid who wears a lab coat the entire movie, <laughs> and his parents are like super German with like German accents, and his name is Wolfgang, and. Uh, Ethan Hawke plays, like, this dreamer kid who, like, dreams up this, like, formula for River for Wolfgang's computer. And they feed it into the computer and they make this, like, they make this thing that, like, allows them to, like, float around in space. And they build a spaceship and they go into outer space and there's aliens. And it's crazy and it's a children's movie. But I was like, I loved it. I was, like, seven. I was like, this is my favorite movie of all time. And then... Of course, Stand By Me comes out, and I have a huge reaction to this movie because it's it's a kid movie. It's it's it, the 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 four leads are children. They're a few years older than me, you know. Um, Will Wheaton, River, uh, Corey Feldman, who I'm obsessed with from The Goonies and from Friday the Thirteenth, um, and Jerry O'Connell. And, you know, it's set in the 50s and it's the, like, late 80s. So we already have that 50s, like, kind of nostalgia. So I'm, like, already in. And then it it's funny, but it just has this really, like, kick you in the face kind of emotion to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, yeah. oh, my God. These kids, Will Wheaton and River Phoenix, deliver these performances. And, and Jerry and, and Corey, too, deliver these performances that are so so good. And they stand up to this day. And River Phoenix is a standout. And I'm like, all right. This kid, this is Wolfgang. This is the same boy. Like a year, two years later, I'm just like blown away, right? So I kind of feel like I'm following like this trajectory. Um, my sister Amy, who Marlene, you've recently met, yes, <laughs> um, and is your age. Uh, so she's a couple of years older than me, and she very much was into. She would rent movies when we would go visit our dad, you know, on the weekends, and you know. She would get a movie and I would get a movie. And she was always looking for something, you know, a little bit more interesting. I'm just like, let's get Indiana Jones again, you know? <laughs> Winter River Phoenix was also yeah. in that franchise. I was going to say, I mean. <laughs> and, you know, Amy rented uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show when I'm like 11, you know? And when My Own Private Idaho was released on VHS, uh, I'm, it got to Blockbuster because we really only went to Blockbuster when we visited my dad. And I have a distinct memory of seeing this at my dad's. I could be wrong. Oh, wow. But, you know, I wouldn't have thought that Blockbuster would have carried it because I think that they were kind of weird about, like, was it unrated or is it an R? I think, I think it's, just, I think it's R. just R. Oh, okay. Then they got it. All right. So, and I remember watching it in 1991. I'm like, I'm 12, man, right? I'm 12 because I'm, like, late 77. So I'm like, okay, no, I'm 13. 13. 
And I mean, I had never seen anything like it before. I'm just getting into kind of like understanding what maybe like independent movies are or like an art house movie um, or something that's just kind of outside of like a big studio kind of blockbuster movie. Right. And I'm kind of understanding what, what this is. And so I'm like, okay, I see these credits and they're these bright candy colors, you know, on the screen with it, with a name on there. And I'm like, and I know Keanu, I'm like right on. I was obsessed with Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Uh, not for nothing. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter in that movie. Get Alex Winter's t- my favorite. Get in that out movie. of town. I <laughs> we my dad asked the video store for the giant Bill and Ted poster after like there were he was like when you're done with and it. Did you get have- it? Yes, I got it. it was like, <laughs> yes, it was huge because it was a video store poster. It was like gigantic. Um, so I was all in, and but this but again this is not you know this is not a teen movie it's not a kid movie and i'm like what's going on and i feel like me for parts of it i was maybe not really that engaged but for other parts of it (laughs) 13 year old you know kind of like just realizing what being queer is i am like shook to my core i'm like what they're in these hotel rooms with these older men i mean not even that kind of stuff i feel like i was just like not even trying to wrap my mind around. I was just like, this is, I'm seeing something. I understand that they are like prostitutes, you know, but I'm, I'm watching like daytime talk shows. So I'm like, okay. Was it more the relationship between Scott and Mikey? Absolutely. Absolutely. And just seeing that and just kind of like never seeing anything like that in a movie before. Um, and just the way, that Mike was like expressing himself and, and the way he got shot down, you know, all of these things that are going on. It just, it really stuck with me for a long time. And, um, I mean, when you're a kid and when you're a teenager and you know, you're a, a, a young queer kid, it's like, you do fall in love with straight guys a lot, you know? And because that's, that's kind of what's around you. And so just seeing that experience and just kind of like, I don't know. It, it really hit me for uh, for a long time, just like th- the way this relationship was portrayed. Um, I had a lot of thoughts about certain parts of the movie. I feel like I compartmentalized this movie because portions of it, I'm just like, what is going on? It's really, it's hard to watch in parts. Oh, absolutely. All of the yeah. Portland stuff kind of loses me still. <laughs> were, there, yeah. were there in like the, the old abandoned... Uh, kind of downtown area and it really has its foot in the door of like Shakespeare. Oh, the Falstaff. Yep. I mean, he's not only Falstaff, but he's also like, like a Fagin kind of a character. Right. You know, and they're like his little, like, are they like Oliver, like twist and he's, you know, I don't know. I get, just get all of that, but definitely, you know, it's, it's definitely like a a father figure a a little bit. Yeah. Um, sidebar on this rewatch of this movie what i remember of the character of bob is that the whole time everybody's just constantly referring to him as this great big fat man and he's like he's this huge big fat butterball and i'm like that guy's not even that fat. not by today's <laughs> standards <laughs> <No>. anyway <laughs> i'm like that's the that's fat bob he's not even that fat oh my god rude uh, but yeah so i you know i've i've 
it was the first time I had seen anything by Gus Van Sant. And so when, you know, uh, his later films come around and in particular when Psycho comes around, I'm just like, I already know this director. I feel like I have this connection to his work. Um, and yeah, just kind of, I think it was kind of probably the first really overtly like queer movie outwardly queer movie i mean besides like rocky horror which starring sister starring two me. very mainstream actor young yeah. actors at the time but just period i think it was the yeah. only queer movie period that i had ever seen i'm 13 sure. years old you know yeah. um and so to see that that was something the way it's it's handled and dealt with is um it's it's harsh it's it's rough to watch and at times and even their relationship which is very close and uh you know i feel like scott does love mike but it's you know his character is very complicated too but um it's uh it's it's so heartbreaking but i love this movie i'm not (laughs) i'm not i'm very confused by um scott's character and i don't know where i land with understanding him i don't know you know he turns mikey down yeah but based on what i don't know i don't know i think i think I think that Scott, the character, is straight, and he's doing all of this stuff to rebel. Yeah. He's just, he is poor little rich boy. He just didn't, didn't have anything better to do with his time. And this is 1991 in Portland. It is not the hipster Portlandia that we know and love today. Yeah. It is right. rough and tumble and hood and ratchet and like it is like redneck portland of the 90s and so maybe if he was like this rich kid and my dad's the mayor and all that and it's like what is how am i gonna rebel i'm gonna hang out with the homeless hustlers and something about him was able maybe it was the drugs or whatever but something about him was able to kind of well, yeah, because that's my question. If yeah. he's genuinely straight, right. and I, I understand that he wants to rebel. He's but he, still turning tricks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and I think yeah. that he is yeah. cut off financially, right? too. So sure. he is doing it for money. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Scott, tell us about your, before we get your background. Before we get too much into the movie, a little background of my, a little background of my relationship with River. This is going to show my age. But you mentioned Indiana Jones. Uh And probably the first time I ever saw him in a movie was the opening scenes of The Last Crusade where he plays teenage Harrison Ford. I mean, he's so cute in that movie. I mean, (laughs) I tell the story on our Temple of Doom episode of watching that movie at my babysitter's house. And that was always the one that I had in rotation. And I used to love the opening scenes of that movie with River. They're so much fun, and he's so fucking adorable. So adorable. The long, floppy hair. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like that was kind of my first background with River Phoenix, even if I didn't really know who, like, who this kid was. Like, I I guess I wasn't putting two and two together that that's River Phoenix, but I knew him by the opening scene. And then I feel like when I got older, River Phoenix just kind of turned into this almost James Dean figure. Of that when I was in high school, you knew of him. He died very early of a drug overdose. And I just remember reading about my own private Idaho, and I found a copy of it on tape that I had. I watched it when I was probably 16, 17 years old, and I remember thinking, I do not understand this movie at all. Like, definitely watching it way too young, and I feel like I did not return to this movie until... 
probably almost 10 years ago. It was when the newer Criterion Blu-ray of it came out mm-hmm. that I revisited mm-hmm. this movie as an adult, and right. I was able to kind of get a few new things of this movie. I still don't completely understand a lot of this movie, but definitely you you take away a lot more as an adult watching this movie now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like there's so so much of it has to do with the relationship with his with Mikey looking for his mother and then knowing learning who his father is. Oh my god, I always forget about that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I always forget about that wild. Yeah, I I look at it now and I almost I mean I'm, you know, going to be 50 next year and I I I my feelings towards River Phoenix and that are almost maternal as I yeah, watch this right. movie now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I where I I look at it from a different angle. Yeah, definitely. Um you know, because for me so much of my memories of this movie are Mike and his relationship to with Scott that I do almost forget that a lot of the movie is well most of the movie is Mike trying to find his his mother so I mean short short you know uh TV guide synopsis um Mike is a street hustler with narcolepsy and uh you know, he's living on the streets. He's friends with uh, Scott, who is also a street hustler, but he actually is heir to, you know, the mayor of Portland. And at 21, he will inherit all this money. Mike is on a search for his estranged mother, who he last knew to live in Idaho. And um, it's just his his journey to get back there and, and what happens when he does get back to And to his Idaho. journey to kind of find home. I thought it was interesting when watching the opening scenes of the movie of i noticed that there's salmon spawning yeah and span salmon yes. when they go upstream from the ocean they're trying to find their way back where they came from where yes. they were born yeah so i just kind of got that as a as a connection of that mikey's trying to find his way home yes but we first see the salmon in the opening scene where he's getting a blowjob from yep. that old man and that's when we first see the the that motif. Yeah. So it's interesting. It, it's interesting to look at the the places in the in the film where that um, imagery is used. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like I said, this is because this is my one of my very first entries into like independent or maybe like art house cinema. I think that was one of the first times that I had ever seen anything like that in a movie where it's like you know, these images that are connected, but not really. And, you know, there's the, there's the image of the barn house that's like falling into the street yeah. know, from the sky and, and all that. And I'm like, okay. Which almost has Wizard of Oz. Is this like, a Wizard of Oz? Yeah, almost a Wizard of Oz. Is this yeah. Mikey's psyche like crashing in on him? Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I read somewhere that that was Gus saying that's like, you can't, can't re- when you leave home, you can't go back to the home that you left. No. You never not can gonna be go the home same. again. That's, yeah. yeah you, you can never go home again. It's not going to be the same. So um, so that's like imagery for that. And, and, you know, again, for me, I was just like, oh, my God, like this is just, this is just mind-blowing. But, yeah, I, th- I think I definitely kind of, again, kind of compartmentalize like what I do remember of, of this. And, you know, what, what this movie is kind of famous for is, is 
Gus Van Sant um, f- finding actual street hustlers from Portland to be in the movie sure. and, to, yeah. and to populate this world that these two kind of live in. And, and they're telling real stories, you know, mm-hmm. in this, in this diner. That's just like, that scene God. is really hard for me to watch. And yeah. it could be, because I did know, actually, I, when I learned that they were actual street hustlers, mm-hmm. it really just broke my heart because mm-hmm. these, these stories they're telling they're crazy really, stories. They're yes. crazy stories, and they involve them basically experiencing a certain level of abuse right. and indignity. Um, and my understanding is that you know River Phoenix really dove into that street scene and like yeah. really. Tr- I, I don't know to what extent, but tried to live amongst these people and just in, in, engross himself in their life so as to better understand them. Yeah, right. So I mean, you know, it is interesting because. We were watching some features on the on the criterion that we have, and uh, one of the producers uh, has an interview with River's sister Rain, and they're just kind of interviewing each other because I guess Rain is somewhere in here. And really, I th- she's probably an extra. I think she's an extra, but then mm-hmm. she also is uh, uh, co-lead of Even Cowgirls Get the Blues, which I think is Gus Van Sant's next movie. And she was in Aleka's Attic with Right, with River. With River. I think she's in between River and, and Joaquin, Joaquin, I think. Don't I ask me say. how I know this. Lori- yeah. But yeah, and she's two years between yeah. both of them. Yeah. The producer I, is Lori Parker. Lori Parker. Who's talking to her. Mar- Marlene, I have a, I, I have a good frame of reference for the, for the entire Phoenix clan as well. So I'm, like, <laughs> I'm right there with you. I know. Maybe too much. Yeah. Um, But, you know, some of the things that they're talking about is, you know, River getting cast for the movie and just kind of like initially the character of Mike. Initially, the characters were more of an ensemble and it was Mike and Scott and um, the other guy, Gary, the guy. He's really handsome. He has kind of like the thicker eyebrows. He's an actor. And then the other ones were kind of he has the fun kids. he has the fun nineties jacket that he comes out and with like the baseball pants yeah like the stirrups <laughs> yeah but Rivers' kind of performance really kind of elevated the character into more of like a, a lead thing and they kind of shifted the script around um, but like you were saying that him kind of you know immersing himself in this world and I'm just like she said something to the effect of like. You know, when we started shooting, he was just like this different person and he just had this like this like dreamy kind of, you know, way about him. I'm just like, but was he on drugs? Well, but like that th- was hanging out with these kids, like kind of an intro to. Yeah. The, you know, I had heard. I mean, I think he had probably tried drugs before. Yeah, but shaps, yeah, what I yeah. had what I had read somewhere. Was it in the book? Um Last night at the Viper Room, I can't mm, remember, mm. but was that he the, he really immersed himself in the drug culture yeah. to try to understand it better, and so yeah. that's part of why this movie is like so heart wrenching for yeah, me. Is sure. it's not just the subject matter, but knowing the backstory, I right. I always watch it and wonder to myself, was this sort of the beginning of the end for him? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the one of the characters who is an actual you know hustler telling the story about meeting this guy and he's like got all these eight balls and I'm just like oh my god like right oh geez yeah <laughs> like, i don't want to hear that <laughs> um 
so yeah, I kind of th- I, I thought the same thing. I was just like, oh man, I feel like he, maybe he just dove too deep, you know, into this into this role. And he was young. Character. He yeah. was incredibly young, you know. Yeah. How old was he when he actually passed? Twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> and that was so, ninety three. So he would have made this movie when he was around twenty one. So he's like twenty one. So young. <laughs> he was uh, living in a house with Keanu Flea, Michael Parker. They moved into director Gus Van Sant's house in Portland during filming and apparently caused such a disturbance with just staying up late, getting drunk, partying, and playing music that... Uh, yeah. yeah. All musicians, yeah. like, in this house, just, like, probably, just, yeah, partying all night long. Oh, my God. Taking lots of drugs. Taking lots of drugs. Oh, wow. Although, yeah. I don't know if Keanu really had... A history that I know about of yeah, being I a big drug dealer. So we, we don't really know. He could have. Yeah. He could have just come out, come out of it clean and just he like could have just been like going to bed now, guys. <laughs> right? Or or really just partied and just now, uh, it, maybe it didn't become a problem, or or it did, and he went to rehab, and we just don't know about it, you know. And and has been clean the rest of his life. Keanu Reeves has a reputation in 2023 of being this kind of like. Not squeaky clean, but kind of a beloved, a really you know, nice guy. Like a re- everybody a, loves working with yeah, him. Yeah, he's got a, a a really nice guy kind of persona, and yeah, everybody loves working with him. There's nothing you can't say bad things about him. Where there were definitely times in career, in his career when he had a reputation for not being the best actor, you know, sure. kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a punchline as far as his his acting style i do have right. to say that he handles the weird shakespearean dialogue very well in this movie i i agree with you you can tell yeah. that he had done some shakespeare training i mean he made a <laughs> he made that kenneth Branagh movie right much to do yes, about nothing much to do about that. I, don't, right. I don't remember if that was before i don't that. remember yeah. if that was before or after this though i think right after sure i think it was like four years after oh, what do you think okay. but, but he probably just studied shakespeare scenes when i turned 21 I don't want any more of this life. My mother and father will be surprised at the incredible change. It will impress them more when such a fuck-up like me turns good than if I had been a good son all along. All my bad behavior I will throw away to pay a debt. I will change when everybody expects it the least. (laughs) You'll become a head roller. A hatchet man for your old man. No! You will be the hatchet man, Bob. That will be your job. And so there will rarely be a job hatcheted. It will all be just one endless party. Won't it? Yeah. But just the way it's... And I don't don't know. We were discussing this earlier. Henry the Fourth. Oh, we are the wrong people to ask. Henry the Fourth. (laughs) Yeah. That's not one of the I, ones I love that I Shakespeare, studied. but that's not one of the ones I no, studied. Midsummer no. Night's Dream, yes. No, Romeo and Juliet, yes. Yeah. Macbeth, Tempest, yes. Yeah. The Tempest, yes. <laughs> Hamlet, yes. Yeah. But I did not. The, I don't have a frame of reference. It's uh, it's uh, it's a war story. War of the Roses. I don't even know. That's Game of Thrones. <laughs> no, but it's a real War of the Roses. Yeah. Um, I don't even know. It's a war story. I saw one of them at the Ashland Shakespeare Festival. Oh, I and part the two character of Falstaff is from Henry, right? Mm-hmm. There's Henry the Fourth, part one and part two, and then I think there's a Henry the Fifth, isn't there? I, I don't sound know. real and dumb is, right and now. Is Falstaff, <laughs> and is Falstaff some sort of a mentor? Uh, 
you know, all of our like classics, English literature. Like, we're gonna get some like, really, we're gonna get you? some really ticked off listeners that are I big bet. Shakespeare fans. I bet. <laughs> Let's just say that there is some some Shakespearean language peppered throughout this movie, and it is not from one of our favorite uh, productions. So, um, how accurate it is to you know what's in written in those plays, I don't know. But I think, like we said, Keanu is re- – he's, like, really doing – he's going big. But it's it's working. It works. It's working. Yeah. I think it's, it's working for all of us. So we love it. <laughs> yeah. And then bringing in the the Renaissance music mm-hmm. um, sure. in, in certain scenes, I thought that was really interesting. So there's the whole thing of this building that they're squatting in, I'm assuming. And uh, – Bob, this character, this Falstaff character who comes, he sweeps into town and everybody's like, Bob's back, Bob's back. And, you know, they're like, oh, we got to go and hang out with Bob. And like, we're going to do, I guess he figures out some kind of like heists for them to pull to like steal some money or whatever. So that's like Bob's deal. There's this old lady that's Mm -hmm. there. Oh, I love her. And she kind of like, you know, she knows Bob and she's kind of like a caretaker for him or whatever. She doesn't look like she's homeless. No. I mean, she looks well kept. She's in these like robes and like, she's all kind of like bundled up and in the crazy, like robes and pajamas and nightgowns and everything that she's wearing. It's kind of styled a little like, Elizabethan yeah. Shakespearean, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it almost looked like she has like a ruffled collar and like but it's not. It's right. contemporary clothing. Yeah. But the way that they dress her in it is like a woman who would be like a, you know, regal. Yeah. A nobility. Yeah. It's a very interesting kind of little character that they throw in there. Um but yeah, when you know, when this movie first starts off, we were talking about, you know, um Mike the River Phoenix character, he's just like in, in the middle of a date, and like he gets it. It's like the first shot of the movie of him in it, you know, and it's pretty graphic, like kind of graphic. And his performance is just so like it's not like movie. I don't know. It's just like it's not like movie acting that I was like used to, you know. Again, well, yeah, I'm thirteen. What, what so. are you thinking at? 13 seeing right? that scene yeah i'm thinking that he's like he's a, a, a prostitute you know i'm i watched maury <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> i watched jenny jones yes you know um yeah i'll never and, and you know i i remember specifically i feel like it might have been jenny jones they would have like gay street hustlers and then they would just talk to them about like why are you a prostitute like why don't you go home and blah 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 can we talk about this my sister and i have talked about this and i don't know if this was your reality scott as a millennial (laughs) but gen x Mm -hmm. like we were exposed like i i i had a very let you know my mom would watch we would have like oprah on the phil donahue show all of those all of that all of those talk shows that dealt with some very heavy um, subject matter. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like <laughs> I was taking a break from doing my homework yeah. and eating my snacks. <laughs> yeah. Like my niece and my nephews would never oh, no. watch oh, that no. kind Can of you programming I watch, now. I watched my fair share of daytime talk At shows. At that age. We were their age. I feel like I was 10, 11 watching. Yes, That's me too. A, is and this like, a man or a woman? I remember the tail. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the tail end of the Donahue years. <laughs> you do. Okay. Because yeah. you're... 
yeah, you would remember the tail end yeah, of Donahue yeah. years and like the ascendance, uh, you know, I the ascendance of Oprah. I definitely want some Jenny Jones. Because Jenny Jones was kind of later. Ricky. Too. Ricky. Ricky Lake. Ricky yeah. was like 95 through like 2000s, probably. Yeah. I don't have specific memories of club kids going on Ricky or Phil Donahue. Sadly. I really don't either. I, I know it from like. I think I was a little too history, young for that. But, but I remember Street Hustlers. I remember. I remember church sex abuse scandals yes, on Donahue. Yeah, like yeah. we were like a very interesting. We came of age like we were children at this very interesting yeah. time where. We were exposed to pretty heavy subject matter. And I know it's yeah. not like we're talking about this. So <laughs> we're not it, we, we're, yeah. we're having like we're an isolated experience. Warped. Yeah. No, <laughs> and then like in the evening, they would have, you know, Scott and I were talking the other day about things like a current affair. Yeah, freaking hard copy. Unsolved mysteries. Unsolved yeah. Hard mysteries. copy. Yeah. Hard copy. Yep. And those shows would have kidnappings and, you know, uh, uh, America's Most Wanted was created by... Uh, Walsh, I forget his name, but his whole thing was his son was kidnapped and murdered. We grew up in that and milk we, we carton knew about era. It. We knew about like, that. Like, we, I was straight up yeah, very aware, like, of kidnapping. Unsolved and, Mysteries was on at, like, 8 p.m. And that theme music. So disturbing. Unsolved Mysteries was scary. Uh, America's Most Wanted was primetime. Yep. And we could just sit there and watch these people that are just like, if you see them and you're 7-Eleven. Laura and I have talked number. about this. Just like how kind of low-key traumatizing. Like, it was just part of the landscape right. of our life. But yeah. like, these things imprint yeah. themselves on you as a child yes. and a young adult, yes. a teenager. And so I had definitely seen prostitutes on uh on those talk shows teen prostitutes gay male prostitutes and there's a thing where it's like we talk about on this show we talk about watching movies as a young person and watching you know like mannequin as a young person and not really putting two and two together that like oh yeah hollywood is a gay person i'm just thinking what a fun awesome guy i would love to be like that as a grown-up he just seems like he dresses however he wants and like he just gets to decorate these like department store windows and like what a fun life but to me as a child i'm not like he is going home with a man like that's one right thing. you but, selectively like focus on yeah. the things that are yeah. like okay. pertinent to okay. you right right i've got a question for both of you who grew up in la yeah. that i was reading that Gus Van Sant, when he was doing treatments of the script, and this is based on a 1963 novel by uh, John oh, I did Ritchie not know that this was a novel. called City of Light that featured street hustlers who did not, who did not oh, admit that they were gay. In his early drafts of the script, he set it on Hollywood Boulevard. Do either of you two have any memories of streetwalkers okay. or hustlers on Hollywood Boulevard? That's a great question. So... My parents used to, like, we would go to, like, the Walk of Fame and, like, Hollywood and Highland area, just, like, maybe in the summer, like, on a weekend, and go and look at the stars and, like, go to the Chinese theater and just, like, do these little fun things and then go home. And that, But that was, like, very touristy. It, Hollywood and Highland wasn't there at the time, but it was, you know, the Chinese theater and all that. But that's a very touristy area, so that wasn't really, like, the hooker spot, right? But also... I think they were on Santa Monica. 
Santa Monica are the are the higher end of Hollywood Boulevard past all of the stars. No. They they no? were around Vine. They're they were Vine? lower. Okay. They were closer to East Hollywood. Um but they were they would be from Vine from Hollywood to Santa Monica and then on Santa Monica from the one ten all the way up to West Hollywood. And sure. Santa Monica was where all the all the gay hustlers were. Yeah. Um and then the girls and then the trans girls were all on like Vine and then um like the east more of the east side of Hollywood. Yeah. I don't remember really seeing them like there they are. But like I just kind of know that that was their like kind of territory if you will. The real like like the cis lady ladies of the evening. <laughs> like I don't know that they were actually just wandering up and down like you weren't the seeing Boulevard. Vivian? No, not a pretty I woman have situation. No, I have no, 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 no memories no. of that. No. I don't. And I think in all those movies that we watch, you know, with uh what was what's the one with the that we just watched on TV? But the Angel? Girls, Angel, yeah. It's not like that. It wasn't like that. I d I don't remember. I was a child though, so maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe I was just like Maybe we weren't we weren't out late enough. That lady's asking for directions. You weren't you know? asking for it. <laughs> yep. yeah. I don't know. Or yeah, we weren't out but late I, enough. But for I thought it, that was yeah. interesting that the early drafts of the screenplay were sure. set on, it could have been were set in Hollywood it Boulevard, not Portland. Yeah. It it, mm-hmm. it very easily could have. Because, um, I mean, yeah, that was in the eighties though, I do remember Walking down, you know, in Hollywood and seeing like kids, like teenagers, teenage runaways, like the teenage, like yeah. gutter punk kids that lived in Hollywood and like just out during the day and stuff. Like that's what I would see. That's what I remember seeing as in the nineties of like the homeless in Hollywood were were they were young, they were kids, you know. Um, and the Phoenix kids busked in right? Westwood is what I read that they would like sing and perform. That, for the Phoenix like, family, their, their whole, the Phoenix family yeah. is fascinating all of them so like is it a, was it a cult like what, so like, right i think it's but, <laughs> oh they were in a but cult, just, cult but just right? the yeah, whole yeah, backstory yeah. of that the yeah. mom was a in the 60s she was just married and she was a housewife and she one day she's just like i'm over this i'm gonna become a hippie and i'm moving and i'm gonna hitchhike across the country and that's where she met um that's where they met river and joaquin and rain's dad and he was from Fontana. Yep. He was, he, he was from Fantana. Yep. What? Fontana, Fontana. yeah. Fontana. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's funny. How'd they end up in Florida? The cult. And there was the whole cult that they escaped from. Yeah. And it's the same one that Rose McGowan yes. was, yep. was yep. in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I or mean, family. It, which there was some alleged sexual abuse with River yeah. during he, the cult, he too. He referenced it yep. in an interview. And then I heard that Joaquin, when asked about it, I think after River died, was like, he was just messing with the interviewer. That didn't really happen. But it sounds like it happened. Mm, I don't yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, I would imagine that River is probably a difficult person for Wookiee to talk about now. Um, but th- the Phoenix kids just, they were driven out to L.A. And we're going to have all of these kids act. Like, we are, we are driving them out. In this bus, and it's going to happen for all of them. For all of them. Was that the intention? I think that they came to L.A. with the intention of getting River into acting. Yeah, like, I know that they would perform on the street, and it was, like, Westwood. Yeah. And they would sing and play guitar. And then they got hooked up with, like, an agent that started getting them TV work. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And that agent, by the way, um, I only learned this recently. Um, she has like a little rock garden. She's since died herself, but at Arcadia Methodist by the Santa Anita Mall okay, where I first sure. encountered River and right. I Love You to Death. <laughs> Supposedly at Arcadia Methodist, I've seen pictures online, there's like a little River Phoenix Memorial Garden. Oh, interesting. I wonder why she picked that hospital. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I'd probably just have some ties. But yeah, here. but uh, when you we, want, oh. we found uh, little Joaquin on Murder She Wrote. Yeah, he's uh, he's <laughs> Jessica Fletcher's nephew. No way. So what I was going to say, and I were also like like your sister Amy and mm-hmm. I. We were born within like a week of each other. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. And it's so interesting because I never really. You said Rivers about four years older than you, which makes him seven years older than me and i never really placed him that much older yeah and so f- when i f- realized that i always figured joaquin was more like my age but i was like oh no it kind of everything was kind of bumped up a little bit just had that yeah uh, time frame in my head for some reason but what i was going to say is that it's just funny is that when we're just watching stuff from the 80s and a phoenix kid will come up like we were watching made to order with ali sheedy and rain is in that no way! Just looking yeah. like Pete said it. Just looking like like we're like Joaquin with a wig. Joaquin in a wig. Yeah, they look because, a lot alike <laughs> because she has the Joaquin <laughs> eyes. Yeah, yes, um, and that's the dad's eyes. Oh, yeah. that's what we were wondering. Yeah, uh, uh, Rain is also in uh, Family Ties as well. No way! Which episode? She, uh, Jennifer starts a band like a girl group. Yes, I. Remember that episode, and, it's and then like, Alex turns them into like a 1940s Andrew yes, sister. Andrew sister situation. She's in that band. She plays the guitar, and Christina Applegate is on keyboards, and Jennifer sings. Yes, I, I love that yeah. episode. It's and so they're fun. wearing like 40s prom dresses with, with denim jackets. Denim jacket. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great episode, and yeah, of course, Alex is like, I'm going to promote the band, and I'm going to be your manager, and all that stuff. Yeah, classic. And they're like, Alex, we don't want to play these songs anymore. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they end up playing. Do they play like the locomotion or something? Oh no! Or well, that was Mr. that Sandman. time. That was yeah, that time. That was the time. I think they do Mr. Sandman, um, but like a rock. Version. Also, the Phoenixes, pioneers of veganism. Mm-hmm. Of that, that was not really a thing that just kind of the general public really I knew about that from Seventeen about. Magazine. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, now it's like we have all sorts of friends that are vegans, mm-hmm. and it's not really like thought about. Yeah. Um, I have my own personal thoughts about Joaquin. Not my favorite. Not my favorite as an actor. As an actor, yeah. really. Tell the talk I don't to know. us I about just, that. I feel like he's a little like takes himself too seriously yeah i feel like his performances are a little self-indulgent to me i hate joker i cannot i'm gonna i have a confession to make i have not seen that movie it's fine it's It's okay (laughs) um i remember kind of going through a joaquin phoenix phase when i was well you love gladiator i love gladiator i I think he's i think he's so good in gladiator i liked him in um the johnny cash movie Inventing sure. the Abbots. I did like him in the Johnny Cash movie, Inventing the Abbots. Inventing the Abbots. Um, <laughs> Walk the line. T- uh, to Die For. That, I, I mean, have... he kind of got the hookup with... Gus Van Sant. Gus Van Sant when he's in, in To Die For. Mm-hmm. Have you not seen that? I have not. Oh, it's good. To Die For is good. Yeah, with it's Nicole good. Kidman. Nicole yep. Kidman, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
and Ileana Douglas and uh, yeah, and, and Joaquin. It's uh, that's a performance of his that I do. I like. see that he's very like brooding in like yeah. so many roles. Yeah. All I can say is I crushed so hard on his brother. I have right. I've never crushed so hard on. I he, <laughs> like I can appreciate his acting, but yeah, 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 yeah. And then he did that whole like weird thing where like he his whole life for like two years was like for a fake movie or so he did sure. a whole Andy Kaufman thing. Do you remember this? Where he was going to be a rapper. Yeah. And he had the weird, he went on Letterman and did like, yeah, did, like yeah. I bought that documentary that. hook, line, sinker. You bought it as in you purchased it or you bought it no, as in you I, I thought bought it was real. The entire act. You thought it was real. I thought sure. it was real. Yep. Yeah. I heard about that. It was like on the periphery of my yeah. awareness. Yeah. I mean, same. Like I heard about him being on Letterman, and and all this stuff is happening in real time because they're shooting this movie, right? And then you know, then it comes out and and all that. But wasn't somebody sketchy also involved in it? Uh, Casey Affleck. Oh, Casey. Affleck. It was. Uh, it go. was um, with the woman who photographed it. There you go. Yep. That that's, was. I mean, that was around that, when Casey Affleck won his Oscar. That right, all of right. that was really starting to come out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't have to get too into yeah, that. That's but yeah, a whole, that's a whole separate thing. <laughs> That's a whole separate thing. But, um, okay. So I, I, I do want to talk about being 13, not really kind of knowing, like, my place, like, in the world, right? Um, I, I actually watched a very good episode of uh, Give It To Me Straight, which is the Maddie Morphosis YouTube talk show. We love Maddie. Listeners, Maddie Morphosis is uh, a drag queen. She was on season... Oh, I don't... 13... 14, 13, 14 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Maddie Morphosis is a cisgendered, straight, male drag queen. First ever on Drag Race. Yep. And, oh, wow. Right. And, but I think Maddie is very, a, a very polarizing character in the queer sphere. In the drag race world, people are very much like, I don't know. I don't buy it. Is it real? Is it not? Whatever. Her performance on drag race is cut short. Here's my thing. She's really funny. Yeah. She's really funny. Her talk show is really good. Her talk show is really good. And she had uh, Irene Dubois, who famously went home first on season 15 of drag race. Yes. And I'm watching that. Making that that glass of water. I'm watching the Irene Dubois episode of give it to me straight this talk show and they just start talking about irene's past and all this and irene tells this story from seattle right yep she tells a story that i feel like i was like oh my god this is like exactly my and she said okay oh i think she talked about like when did you come out how old were you when you came out to your parents and all that and she was just like my parents always knew they're my parents. Like they knew, like they asked me when I was a teenager, like, do you like girl, you know? And I just, I didn't want to come out because I felt like it was this, uh, kind of, um, almost a defiant thing. Like, oh, you think you know me better than, better than, you know, I know sure. myself or whatever. Right. But she, but the one thing she said was that not only did her parents already know just because that's just how she presented as a, as a little gay kid but it's that it was that situation where all the schoolmates knew right and as a little boy all the other schoolmates are like you're gay and he was just like i don't know i never really thought about it 
like, I guess, I don't know, like, what, you know, and it's other kids realize it before you do. And they're, they're realize they're thinking about it in a, like, you're queer, you sound funny, you talk, you talk funny, you act funny, but you as the person, as the queer kid, you're just like, I don't what? Like I'm, I'm just, just being myself. I'm just being yeah. me. That I'm would just... be so othering. That would be absolutely. such an othering sure. experience. And you feel is. so put on the spot. And that is why some people don't come out for a long time, even though they clearly are, because it's just you don't want to give in. You don't want to be like, Yeah, you're right, bully who's talking shit and calling me out. You know what I mean? But all the kids, they get it, they see it. They see it before you do. Like, why do you talk like that? Why are you, you know, you sound different, you know? And it's like, you're, you're gay. You must be gay. And it's like, when you're that age, yes, you do know. Like, I, I, I feel like I did, but I wasn't ready or in a state of mind to be like, yes, I am a homosexual and I'm going to live my life this way, you know? You don't think about it as a kid. You just think, that's who I like. That's who I... That's why I think it's pretty. You so know? when you saw this movie, did it, um, did it like, so it, when I saw it, I was just like, okay, all right. I see where Michael is coming from. I see where Mikey's coming from. Right. When and he expresses when his he, feelings to yes, Scott, to Scott and the way that Scott, says to him out loud says two guys can't love each other sure i was just like oh my god yep. right through my and it's coming through that heart. beautiful keanu's mouth right through my time yep. i was like really do you really believe that and you know and he's just like laying it all out on the line and he's just like telling him all this stuff and he's just like but i i do love you like I love you, like, and I, I want to kiss you right now and all this stuff. And, and Keanu's just like, I only do it for money. Like, I'll only do it for money. And he's just looking at him like, I don't know what to tell you. And, and, and Mikey's just kind of sitting there like, okay, I guess I'll go to sleep now. <laughs> what do I mean to you? What do you mean to me? Mike, you're my best friend. I know, man. I know, I know I'm your friend. We're good friends, and it's good to be, you know, good friends. That's a good thing. So? So I just... <laughs> That's okay. We can be friends. Only have sex with a guy for money. Yeah, I know. The two guys can't love each other. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, for me, I could love someone even if I, you know, wasn't paid for it. I love you and. Kiss you, man. 
And I don't know if this is true or not, but that River Phoenix. That he rewrote the whole scene. He rewrote sure. the whole yeah. scene. That was completely like yeah. off oh, the cuff. Wow. So good. So good. Uh, I guess that, or some of the story goes that he, you know, he took it to Keanu and was like, I think we should do it this way. And then Keanu was like, yes, I, I agree. We'll, we'll do that. Um, and then they shot it. Um, but, you know, seeing that, it was just like, and, you know, again, as a, as a kid, it's like you do fall in love with straight boys all the time or you fall in love with friends or, or whoever's just kind of around you, you know. Um, and to kind of think like, oh, God, like what if I ever were like – I never would, but what if someday I, I would like express how I feel and then they, I get shot down like that. Oh, my God. Straight guys – think this way like they must think this way you know and so it was really like kind of difficult for me to like on the one hand i loved seeing it you know i was like holy shit okay i i get this i get this boy i get this character you know but on the other hand it was just like is this my future it's not aspirational at all you know and i get i get that this is just one path of infinite paths that you could take you know anybody could go down that route you know and even if they're straight and end up where they they are shot down (laughs) yeah or or and or go down the path of having to you know sell your body you know i I mean sex work i was thinking about just how fortunate i was growing up at the time that I was coming of age, of that if I was born, say, 15 years earlier, could I have been like any of these kids in Portland? Right. Yeah. End up on the street. And ending up on the street. And yeah. turning tricks for money. Yeah. Because like, sure. like I'm saying, this is, a, this is a, a, a early representation of what it is like to live as a queer person in the world. And specifically at this time. And they're, you know... And they're sex workers, you know? And it's like, again, it's it's not something that I'm like, oh, that's what I want to do when I grow up. But at the same time, I'm just like, holy shit, I'm seeing this in a movie, right? I'm seeing this where other people can see it and kind of understand that this is these are real feelings that people are having. So even though he got shot down and it wasn't a happy ending, I was still just like, okay, people can see that it's not just like... Um, I don't know, a phase or I don't know. It's just he's, yeah, a, sure. he's a real realized person that is expressing himself in this way that I had never seen before. And I was just like. And Scott's reaction was fairly kind. Like right. he could sure, have yeah. been beat up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he just said, come, you know, come lay down with me and, you know, and then they went to sleep. Okay. But, you know, Scott is kind of callous to him. You know, he, he wakes, is, yeah. he leaves him asleep and you know and he leaves him in italy he leaves him all over the all place by himself. He himself in seattle he yep. leaves him. well when okay and that's another thing later on when they get freaking italy and they meet this stupid girl who i don't i don't really see the appeal of this chick <laughs> same but th- but <laughs> that's kinda... 
that's the worst. If you Poor are in Mikey. if you are Being in love with the third wheel boy, and then he meets a girl and then they're like, Oh, get right. The out scene of where town. he blows the smoke in her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so petty. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um that was that whole sequence was mm-hmm. very sad. That no, whole abso- segment of, abso- the, of the film. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, seeing things, seeing things as a as a young kid of just like these different tricks that he's that he has to do, these different dates that he does, and I mean, they're kind of they're played for humor some of them you know and he's the little dutch boy take off the shoes you know and, these men are and put these on yeah, so these gross. men are so i gross. mean could you imagine <laughs> being any of these old men are also like laura palmer's mother mm-hmm. picking up like river Phoenix. well i was gonna say you know if anybody's if anybody wants to pick up a sex worker you want to pick yeah you're you gonna want to pick, pick up, up river phoenix one of those two <laughs> get lucky enough to go river keanu yeah on, on their first day on the job um that's an old kathy Griffith joke i mean udo udo Kier <laughs> is not is not terrible looking no he's handsome he's, he's good looking he's got those those icy but just blue kind eyes of this, yeah. but everybody this, else is but, scary here <laughs> just kind of this german loon I mean, yeah, just like playing his like electro, like Euro trash music. <laughs> I was a musician. It's just like, and the way the two of them are just like, oh, okay. Keanu just gets up and turns it off. He's just like, all right, <laughs> that's enough of that. But yeah, seeing these, seeing these, these dates that they go on, and and the way that at the very that very first scene where he's just like begging this guy for like ten more dollars, and he's just like, "I'll do another date for free, like just for ten bucks." You're just like, ten bucks? Holy shit! Oh my god! <laughs> oh, this fucking life. And then you know when you do see or when you do kind of realize that Scotty does have this money and he's just doing this. To get back at his parents or whatever. Whereas like, the rest Ugh. of these guys, they're like, must they're be, trying to they're survive. Like, they're life. like, it must be nice. Yeah, this is their life, man. I do have to say, I pointed out to you too uh, that Keanu Reeves is wearing a very specific leather cuff bracelet that I had that exact style of bracelet, bondage bracelet, and I bought it at Retail Slut on Melrose. In, do you remember in the nineties? Do you remember Keanu wearing it no. in this movie? Uh, yes. That's why you wanted it. Uh, me and uh, my friend Angie and uh, me and Angie and uh, and Ray, we all had one. The three of us, <laughs> and we all we all got ours. And um, I forgot how much they cost. I think it was expensive. Was it real leather? It was real leather. Yeah. Oh, and there's there. It's a cuff, and it has three. It has three rings around it, and. I am telling you, I cannot find this bracelet anywhere. And I have been, I live in Los Angeles, California. I've gone to like the fetish leather have you tried, stores. Have you tried Etsy? Etsy is probably, it'll probably be on Etsy. <laughs> yeah. Made of like vegan, like leather or something. <laughs> I haven't tried Etsy. I should check it out. But um, they don't have it at Rough Trade. And I was like, if they don't got it at Rough Trade, then they don't make it anymore. <laughs> they're, they're, you're going to find it on Etsy. I probably you will. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Because I will pay real money for it. I can't remember what I paid for it at the time, but I wore that bitch. Every, <laughs> I don't know who I thought I was. 
<laughs> it's a lot in person. Well, yeah. <laughs> in person, it's a lot. Like, it looks like, oh, there's like these rings on it and stuff. And like, also, as a teenager. <laughs> at at uh, Cathedral High School. Yeah, as a teenager. <laughs> at I was Catholic like, school. I was like 120 pounds. My wrists were like twigs. Yeah. My arms were falling twigs. Off, falling off your wrist. My arms were twigs. I had it on the last like <laughs> little buttonhole. And so these huge rings are just like flapping around. I wasn't wearing it to school. I could never wear it to school. First of all, they wouldn't let me. Right, right, right. But second of all, if I wore that to school, oh my God. The commotion it would have begun. Like, yeah. It was already bad enough the way I dressed. Like, in a sea of like... Latin cholos? like rebels, <laughs> not quite cholos. They, mm-hmm. You couldn't dress like a cholo. It was it was a Catholic school. Yeah, but they dressed. They had the like kind of rebel wear. You know yeah. what I mean? A lot of Morrissey. Yes, listeners. yes, yes. And I wasn't dressing like that, so I definitely stood out. I that's the thing. I didn't really do much to be like make yourself invisible, like all that. They, yeah, I don't know. I I guess I kind of courted. Danger. Danger. <laughs> I could I could have gone a little bit more out of my way to be. And you were dressing like a thrift store. Didn't. Yes. I was wearing 70s. like ringer t shirts yeah. and like That's when I met you. Corduroy bell bottoms and plaid pants. Mm-hmm. And you like, should go way back. Yeah. We go way back. We do. And um yeah, they were just like, What what is that? What are you what are, what are you wearing? Look at this little getup that you're well, wearing. Well, the thing is, they're very much like teenagers are very much like. They, yeah, everyone wants to put you in a box. Label. Like, who, what box yeah, do you belong label in? Label you. What box? So they thought that I like went to raves? You're the alternative guy. Yeah. And then that, yeah. So I wasn't quite wearing You were like, such a cool dresser. <laughs> Thank you. You had such great style. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so oh, much. Geez, I, I, I feel like I was like the mall fashion victim. Yeah. No. At the time. I don't know. I just, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to look like everybody else. And so I was like, okay, just, I know exactly what to do not to look like you guys. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, so I, I did, I did stand out a little bit. So maybe I did court some of the, some of the, the comments, but whatever. You know what one of my favorite scenes of this movie mouth. is? Yeah. It is the... All of the boys on the cover of the porno magazine. No, this is great. This is a great... The scene is yeah. so much fun because all of this had to be done in camera. In camera. They mocked up these plexiglasses with these magazine covers, and they Painted would have off. all of these guys stand behind them when they shot it. And I think that they kind of pieced it together to look like... Yeah, it's it's cut together, but... They cut together yeah, with, yeah. like, a mat yeah. of when you see it in the movie... But just because, like, Photoshop wasn't around, yeah. uh, CGI, computer effects, yeah. I mean, nope. independent cinema, like, but get out made, of here. But you they couldn't made do the that. Big, they made the big Barbie box from, like, the movie theater, yeah. like, the movie theater lobby. I mean... And you, like, got behind it. I always think of this movie of when I just kind of think of iconic image from my own private Idaho, is I think of Keanu. Keanu on the cover of Honcho. Keanu on the cover of... It's not Honcho. Uh... This porno magazine wearing the cowboy hat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, 21-year-old they Keanu, get out of here. Fake names. It's called Mail Call. Mail, M-A-L-E. And then River is on the cover of G-String magazine looking like 
looking like Saint Sebastian. Who's the one that got Yes, with the arrows? <laughs> yeah, yes. The arrow. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. speaking of art references, did you clock the, the, the Pieta the Pieta yeah, image earlier in the movie? When Keanu is yes. holding River he's holding like he's the, the Virgin Mary. Under the fountain. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Apparently, uh on the fountain there's that horse and there is a or it's guy like a on the statue. Yeah. And they just dressed up one of the crew members to, like, sit on the horse. So I guess that that statue in Portland is just the horse. And Isn't that the statue that's entitled The Coming of the White Man? Yeah. And Gus insisted that there be, like, this boy sitting on this horse. So wow. funny. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking it up. I think it's, a, uh, like, a stag or something. I think it has antlers. Um, yeah, that's another thing. It's like there were so many of these interesting little things that, again, I had never seen in a movie until, you know, until I watched this. It was just like, oh, okay, the magazine covers are talking to each other now. This is very, like, kind of cartoony. But, um, yeah, just kind of opens my, like, perception to a different type of filmmaking. Well, and also, I mean, there's know? just something about how... Gus's eye for composition and just putting actors behind like a yellow wall of just kind yeah. of how he frames and shoots scenes. And you know, Pete, it reminds me a lot of the Psycho remake I'm of just you. how he art directs scenes yeah. with color. Yeah, it's like that's what he doesn't. That's what he doesn't. Psycho. Yeah, yeah. Is that he takes this classic black and white movie and he colorizes it, and that's kind of the color palette that he works with. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I noticed that he worked with the same costume designer on this than he did on Psycho as well. Yeah. Um, which I love that when they, you know, when they use people. Um, the costuming is really cool, though. I feel like Mike's looks are very, like, iconic. The, there's a, the, the very first, first, first shot of the movie he's on. Um, okay, so there's this motif in this movie of these roads. You know, mm-hmm. and they're just these long two lane roads, these back roads in of, each direction. Of the northwest, yeah. You look in both directions, and there's nothing there. And I'm very familiar with them. So, okay, so here's yep. my thing. I'm like this 13 year old kid I'm growing from up. This, in, I'm from these parts of America. Growing up baby. in East LA, we know nothing. We of this. know yep. nothing of here there's, in Southern California. It kind of cro- looks like crooked, Montana. Crooked barn houses yep. and like barns falling out of the I sky. I was I was explaining to you too when watching the movie no. of that. I love just seeing an abandoned homestead in the middle of the prairie i think it's so romantic see for us that's terrifying when you're driving down the road and you see and you see Who's these old there? and you see these old houses yeah. and i love it i think I'm it's just beautiful like, i'm just like you know there's got to be like a dead person in there right now that's like what a, i'm a dead homeless like, person that's my <laughs> that's like my my western romantic in um, me no and i see them when we do drive through montana every now and then and, and you know and every time we drive down a road that looks like that i always think of this movie Always. But it's never quite like this. These roads in this movie are like one lane in both directions and like nothing. At least in Montana, it's like highway. I don't know. I feel like I've I've driven on a lot of highways like this. Yeah. Um, But even so the first shot, he's wearing like a blue, like a cap. And like it's a different look than the rest of the movie. But and this is 1991. But it's very much I don't know the the wardrobe, especially on on Mikey on, on River is just that it's that 90s cool 90s yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah cute indie boy Uh, yeah i mean with river for me it's always the hair it's the hair that does it for me oh that blonde flippy hair so good in this movie 
I noticed a few in in the scenes in Italy at that mm-hmm. when they meet that Keanu's for future love at the farmhouse. Uh-huh. I noticed that he had like um like calico patterned fabric sure, on, his, on the butt on the butt of his yeah, jeans, and um, I noticed yeah. that uh, Mikey's fly was down. Oh, that's funny. and I'm like, was that on purpose? Are we supposed to be like? Does that represent something? Or, <laughs> oh, what, what's know. going on with that fashion choice? I think that the, I think the, that he. I think they just forgot to zip up the fly. <laughs> but what no about thing. the the calico on the butt of his jeans? What's that sure. all about? Yeah, that know. was something that just maybe you know this is just a worn out pair of pants and the, the, they need to patch them up somehow. But I noticed that too. Yeah, yeah. This I was movie, just like, huh. This yeah. movie has a lot of beautiful coats that all of the actors wear. Keanu's denim jacket. I mean, I think like, I think that all of them wear some sort of a denim jacket. But the the black sort of pea coat that River is wearing at the funeral when he has yes. the flower. Oh, yep. I lo- oh, them on the back of the motorcycle. When Keanu's yeah. driving and Rivers behind him with the with the sunglasses, like such a iconic a image, iconic yeah. image, yeah, of those two. And he's wearing he's like his kind of signature look is that like red jacket with like a corduroy lapel situation. Pete, who's the costume designer again? Uh, her name is Beatrix Pastor. Yeah, she's like Hungarian yeah, or something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, these are all probably just sourced, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I'm, pieces. I, I would imagine that they probably just went to secondhand stores in, in Portland, Portland and yeah. hold all of this. I'm telling you, secondhand stores in the early 90s, gold mine. Yeah. Gold mine. <laughs> and I mean, this was a little ahead of its time because after this film, that look. Everybody tried to recreate it. Everyone yeah. tried to recreate it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm looking for that, that first look, though, where he's wearing kind of blue. That one is very, it's very like, yeah, indie boy. The first look when he's on the side of the road with the black hat? Yes. Okay, I have it right here. Yeah. It's kind of like a denim yeah, it's shirt. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like a yep. Sherpa jacket? Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah, like a shearling lined mm-hmm. uh, denim. And then, yeah, that's kind of like a gas station kind of a jacket or a gas station shirt situation. I think it has a name on it. Like in, I think in some shots you can. Oh, see Oh yeah, it's a name not really it. denim. It's the um, it's like a mechanic chambray. Shirt. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, then he's got the like the beanie, the skull cap, or whatever the wool cap. Yeah, and he's wearing some kind of a sneaker. I don't know what it is, but there's mm-hmm. shots of him when you can see his shoes. But yeah, that shit is like <laughs> <laughs> looks like a fucked up face. These are iconic. Uh, looks yeah i mean i was obsessed with that and you know to me again i'm and i'm 13 and then throughout like my early teens in my like pretentious like i know cinema this whole i was just like oh i know what a really good like independent movie is it's this is this is it you know so i'm just like obsessed with the whole like two-lane highway and the fucked up face and like all this all this stuff it seems so like I don't know. Now it's just so desolate and like isolated and kind of sad. I don't know. At the time, I was just like romanticizing it and just like, oh my goodness, like to be out there because you know, like you said, we don't know from empty yeah. highways and yeah. And I think barns. when you're younger <laughs> and you watch it and you're identifying as different as their lives might be from right. yours, you're identifying with these characters. Yeah. Now we're older. And we're not necessarily identifying with them. Yeah, we're looking yeah. at their life through a different lens because we're older. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I always kind of, and maybe it's just my selective memory, but when he does meet his brother, and it's like we have this kind of revelation about, like, his real father, and it's like, oh, is that, is that the truth? Like, Is it? We is it? I don't know. Is that the truth, Maury? Because that's sad. I don't know. Yeah, we need Maury to, the DNA test proved that that was a lie. Because, <laughs> yeah, because that is some fucked up stuff and it's like yeah i just kind of like oh i don't remember that part but then yeah it leads to this whole like okay your mom's not here she's working at this hotel okay go to the hotel she's not at this hotel anymore she saved up all her tips but she, she went sent to us this, but she sent us this postcard with yeah, an address yeah and then it's like oh but there's hans right over there just sir you know surreptitiously and what's he doing there in idaho i don't know yeah <laughs> i think they're still in idaho serendipitously at this point. serendipitously yeah yeah um I think they're still in Idaho at this point. What's he doing there? But whatever they do, they got that plane ticket they money. They got that. Yeah, we got, they got enough how do coins. You guys, how do you guys feel about how the sex scenes are photographed in this movie? <laughs> I think it's really interesting. It's cool. And you almost think it was Gus thinking, okay, so we're not going to get away with. We can't yeah. get away with filming these yeah. sex scenes. Yeah. This movie is not going to be released. The MPAA is going to yeah. give this an NC seventeen yeah. unrele like yeah. unrated. Like it's gonna have to be unrated, and do you think it's kind of a way around that? But it's art too. So well, the thing is, like, we live in a time now where all sex scenes are very explicit, yeah. and it's always just out there. Yeah. And I don't know, like, there's something I, kind of beautiful about it of seeing them in stills because well, they're like tableaus. Yeah, yeah. Was that was that how you were gonna finish your thought? Yeah, I'm okay. an artist. I was. I have a degree in art history. But yeah, they're like scenes, but they're like paintings yeah. almost. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and yeah, the fact that they we we do it twice, right? We get it with um, with Hans and then the three of them, but then we get it later on with with Scotty and the girl. But um, yeah, I think it's a it's it's a very interesting kind of. Uh, I really don't think I've seen anything like it since then ever yeah no i haven't yeah. i'm just picturing the back and forth with the mpaa of gus being like well there's no thrusting because <laughs> they get down to that kind of like nitty-gritty when mm-hmm. they come to when they come to to hanky panky in these movies mm-hmm. you know um but you know i i, I always kind of being the age that i am now i'm about to be 46 in a couple of weeks couple Eight, but who's counting? No, more than eight. Month and a half. I'm gonna say it's four, eight, ten, ten weeks, <laughs> something like that. Maybe forty-six. You know, I, I have this whole thing of like, you know, when I was younger, and what did I, what did I have to watch? I had this. Okay, so it's like, oh, look at what my life could be like. <laughs> What do the get, kids have now? Get, reject, get rejected by my best friend and then go off to be a sex worker in, <laughs> in redneck Portland. Okay. You know, um, that's what I had to watch. Or just like finding some, you know, European like little weird, or, you know, seeing like Hugh Grant and, and Morris. Like, yeah, Tales on, of on, the City. On PBS. Tales of the City a few I years remember later. Morris. Yeah. I remember Morris. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Morris. Um, but it's like we had we had to look really far and wide for this stuff, and we had and Tales of the City was on PBS, but this is not mainstream, and this is still very much like I, as a fifteen year old, probably shouldn't be watching it. Um, 
You think when you're a 15 year old, you're like, yeah, I'm a teenager, man. But sure. like 15 year olds that we know or kids that we know that are going to be 15, you're like, you're babies. It's a child. It's a child. But I just remember yeah, really thinking sure. so, when I was 13 or 14 that I just really wanted to be a part of the conversation with film, too. Absolutely. So yeah, I really, yeah. like, yeah. sought after so sought out. things that I should not have been watching. Right, right, right. But now, you know, now these kids and these queer kids especially have things that they can access and that they can watch and that they can watch it with maybe their, their family or um, just – Netflix shows, you know, um, I mean, go, even going back to something like Will and Grace, it's like I was in college already when that was out, but that was something to to kind of latch on to and be like, okay, like, or at least break the ice with humor. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the older ladies at work really like it and like, you know, my mom can watch it and think it's funny and, and all that kind of stuff. And because all my life, like anytime anything kind of remotely queer was in a movie or a TV show, I was always like, oh, what's on my phone that doesn't exist for 25 years? You know, like <laughs> like looking around like, uh, I don't want to be in this room right now. But I'm also going to be tracking this down later. But I'm also going to be watching it obsessively later on. Um, because there was not really anything to latch on to. And now there is a lot more accessible content for kids. And um, I don't know. Uh, maybe just having everything at our fingertips isn't always the best maybe we do need to kind of look for things search things out and why would you say that builds a little bit of character character. (laughs) you know i guess as nice as heartstopper is to have i do think that if i had heartstopper when i was heartstopper is a netflix pete loves uh, heartstopper show it's It's his favorite show it is a still of it is on his lock my lock screen on my lock screen on his phone uh i may not i may or may not be considering a tattoo um from the graphic novel, uh, it's a it's a it's a Netflix show. It's for teens. It's, it's a British show set in the UK, but it's like I think it's really important for kids to watch, like with their parents, you know. And I feel like if I had that, like I don't know. I think maybe my like I, I don't know if I'm not saying like my life would have turned out differently, but I think maybe my. Like, I don't know, mental well-being would have been a little different. Because what you, you know? were looking at here was just like <laughs> yeah. sex work and yeah. homelessness yeah. and yeah, yeah. River, Phoenix, River and, Phoenix passed out on the side of the road getting robbed but, in the last scene but, of the movie. But not only that, it's like these kids in the show are just like they're talking to their parents about their lives and their relationships and and all of that. And it's like if I could have said, okay, maybe I would feel more comfortable you know, being more open with my parents at a certain age because these shows kind of give us uh, uh, kind of an okay to do it. And it's like, yes, this is a children's show. It's a, it's a show for teens. Um, I, I am kind of obsessed with it, but it just, I don't know. There's something about it that just makes me really happy to see these characters kind of go through this in a way that, I was never able to experience, sure. you know, and so, you know, I do, I do talk about, uh, talk a lot about like, you know, I had to watch Tales of the City on PBS at like, God knows what time because it was all there that there was. And I only knew about it because I was looking, I was kind of immersed in like films and, and cinema and, and um and television and entertainment and all that so i kind of saw like 
oh, there's this new like show coming out about like that has these queer characters set in San Francisco in the seventies. Oh, holy shit! I'm gonna watch it, and then just kind of like blowing my top when I saw what it was. Did you watch Tales of the City, Marlene? I did, and I read the first book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, seeing that when I was a teenager, I was like, this Love is Tales great. But it was yeah. very much something that I thought was kind of underground still and like subversive and all that. So uh, it's just such a such a shift in where we are of queer representation in cinema today. I think this movie is very important. It's so it's very well much acted. A, it's very much a snapshot of a very specific time. Yeah, too. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked a little bit at the top of the show that I mentioned that uh, that this is new queer cinema, and the term was coined by academic B. Ruby Rich in Sight and Sound magazine in 1992 to define and describe a moment in queer-themed independent filmmaking in the early 90s some of these movies that is new queer cinema is paris is burning which came out in love also it. in 1991 love it todd haynes poison isaac julian young soul rebels in 91 Derek jarman's edward the second and gregor rocky's the living end in 93 yeah so just kind of this time in filmmaking where the gay community was facing all of these new challenges with the AIDS crisis from the 80s and the conservative political wave, which brought on the presidency of, like, Ronald Reagan in the United States or the government of Margaret Thatcher in the United Kingdom. And what we got was all of these queer movies in the early 90s. Right. But this was, interestingly, that, like, this was right before Clinton was elected, too. So that was, like, a whole other politically... Uh, politically, that was a different time. Although he was not progressive. Don't ask, don't no, tell. No, yeah, yeah. Don't yep. ask, yeah. don't mm-hmm. tell. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the producer, I forget her name already, but in the interview that she had with with Rain, she talked about the queer community kind of being at odds with this movie because of the representation of its queer characters. Yeah. That maybe it gets a little too it's, real. It is a little too early in queer cinema to have characters be not look, you know, not the best light on mm-hmm. them, you know? And it's like now we look back and it's like there's the there's the noble gay man trope of the nineties. Sure. It's like, all right, they always have to be like dying of AIDS and like saving, you know, orphans from a fire or something and like, aids is not really a factor in the story no, it's too not. especially with sex work involved so it's yeah, interesting exactly. that that's not really he has condoms he empties out his pocket in a bathroom on the mirror and there's it's got like five condoms in his pocket so maybe that was gus's little way of like all right here's just show that you guys are being safe but we're not going to talk we're not going to address it but um interesting that they don't talk about it at all but yeah i never really thought of that because at the time it's like if we're gonna get any representation of gay people you're showing this like so i can see i can see like lgbt activists being like i don't know maybe this isn't the representation that we want even though it's something i don't know if we want it to be this this real you know whereas like now we don't think about that because we have this like noble gay trope that we're kind of moved beyond right of your of your philadelphia kind of Philadelphia character, you right. know. So I, I just thought that was interesting when I saw that when, when we saw the interview because I, I I never thought of 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 that kind mm-hmm. of a backlash. I just thought any any representation 
helps. You know, yeah. you know, what, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big I was, representation. You know I was kind of thinking with the career of Gus Van Sant, who's had a fascinating career. Of when you look through his filmography, that there is a weird brand of after-school special directed by Gus Van Sant. And you get something like <gasps> My, My Own Private Idaho. <laughs> you get Goodwill Hunting, yeah. Finding Forrester. Sure. Yeah. So just kind of these weird, this is like Gus Van Sant's version of an ABC after school special. Uh, <laughs> Not to be kind of shady, really but I mean, yeah, it's yeah. just sort of. No, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I guess these coming of age stories. It's educational. Yep. <laughs> It's educational. I remember remember when I was a kid and being taken to Goodwill Hunting. I remember like flipping for that movie. Blow your top. Like loving it. Yeah. I love that movie. I I told you I'm Team Ben and I always have been and always will be. We were just discussing this the other day. I've always been Ben Affleck over Matt Damon my whole life. And you know, and I feel like watching Goodwill Hunting, it sent me on the rabbit hole of discovering something like my own private Idaho. Sure. That he came because from, you're like, who is he it? came yeah. from like making movies about gay people. Yeah. And him and he himself an out is an gay, out yeah. gay actor film, in Hollywood. Film director. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I feel like Goodwill hunting was very much kind of like when I remember seeing like, that's fantastic. This is interesting. This is like kind mm-hmm. of a, kind of a straight, narrow <laughs> i don't know i thought to me i i just always knew him as being this kind of like and fringe and i think that was just kind of matt and ben there. dealing with miramax at the time when they sold yeah. the script that i think that they were sold on movies like my own private idaho yeah that this is this is the type of director that we want for this movie deal with it harvey <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely well i mean like i said say say what you will i know he's corny I like Ben Affleck <laughs> with, his, with his Phoenix tattoo, <laughs> with a huge Phoenix back tattoo. That makes that. Oh, even really? Better, you know? I, oh, did, yeah. I oh, didn't know this. No, oh, it's awful. Like it's, the Phoenix rising from the ashes. It's his entire back. It's terrible. I love it. We need to do. <laughs> we need to do a very special Ben Affleck episode one of these. One of these times. So the Snyder cut. Oh no! Oh no! We're, we're doing Gone Girl. I know. I know. I know. Not the Snyder cut. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know that this movie's hard to find. We just we have this great Criterion no, not at all. collection. Is it streaming anywhere? It's available, right now? it's available to rent. Okay, you can rent it on any of your streaming platforms. That's good. That's good. Because- I think it would be an interesting movie to introduce young people to, of just to kind of read what are just kind to kind of hear what. Uh, the children think about this. What movie. do the children yeah. think of queer? Yeah, queer cinema from the nineties. It's a. Uh, it's yeah. Absolutely. Because I think that River Phoenix is somebody that kids know about, but don't necessarily have seen a lot of his movies. Do they know about Or him? do they? Yeah. Do they know that Joaquin know. had this Maybe. brother who's like this, this like legendary like figure? Yeah, definitely James Dean kind of story, storyline. God, I can't believe he's 23. Oh, my God. I can't and believe. It's been 30, it was 30 years. 30 years. 30 years. <laughs> so October no. 31st, outside of the Viper Room. OD'd and Gosh. died on the sidewalk. Gosh. And the Viper Room was recently sold, right? It's going to get torn oh, down. Is that true? Okay. That's what I heard. I've never been to the Viper Room. I haven't either. I and have. I was like a young, like a basement I was club. that age at that time. Owned yeah. by Johnny Depp at it's, the time. It's not in the basement. It's upstairs. Oh, I always thought that it was like downstairs in a basement. Yeah, okay. It's, it's really tiny. When, when have you been to the Viper really Room? It's small. 
yesterday. Uh, I saw Andrew WK there um, when Andrew WK was popular. <laughs> so, uh, what was of that big album that he had? Yeah, I saw Andrew WK at the Viper Room. Oh, I'm the, I'm the wrong person to ask, Pete. <laughs> Andrew WK, you're not in, you're not into that kind of scream rock. Um, yeah, I saw him with their Heart and Mary. Okay, yeah. Uh, it was a great show. It was so small. I was really like shocked sure. at how at the size of it. I was just like, I feel like I was getting a drink at the bar, and I could have just like swiveled on my bar stool and like given Andrew WK a high five like on stage. <laughs> like it, it was it was tiny, but I, that was only once. And that was in the two thousands. So probably early, and that night, yeah, River was not. supposed to perform. Later in the night. Right. I think that it happened right before midnight. He couldn't go on stage, though. He was, like, told, like, it wasn't going to happen. And somewhere between Was he too there, out of it? No. I think it was just, like, a, a logistics issue. Okay. And then he was handed a drink. Is There's conflicting reports, but sure. that he was handed a cup um, was that it- he drank was it from. just sort of mixing things yeah with what he was taking yeah exactly and he was there with his then girlfriend samantha mathis um i think uh rain and joaquin were there mm-hmm. and christine applegate was around mm-hmm. and i guess he you know had 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 not even wanted to go out that night initially but rain and joaquin wanted to go yeah. to the viper room mm-hmm. so he went with them and then, yeah, um, I guess uh, the band P with um, Johnny Depp and, oh gosh, what is the guy's name? Um, I think Flea was in it. And then oh, I'm, I'm blanking. Like a super group? Yeah, kind of like okay. a super group, an sure. amalgamation of different yeah. bands in yeah. one group. And they were playing a song on stage while he was on the sidewalk that referenced him. Oh. In the lyrics. Okay. Interesting. There's a really good book Crazy. that came out about ten years uh, that came out about ten years ago called "Last Night at the Viper Room" by Gavin Edwards. Uh, Last night at the Viper Room, River Phoenix and the Hollywood he left behind. It's really good. You're currently reading it. Um, I read it. You read it. I read it when it came out. Currently reading, and then I uh, I just got a new copy of it. So I've just been it. kind of browsing it, prepping for the podcast. And as I remember, River's drug problem in the last like year and a half of his life had gotten pretty bad. Right. Like almost at the point of no return, but you said he was clean on the set of that Judy Davis movie, right? Yes. Supposedly dark blood. Dark blood. Yeah. Supposedly he was clean on the set. Sorry, just not to interrupt. It's Gibby Haynes from butthole. Surfers okay. Sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, supposedly he was clean on the set. Okay. Well, I mean, he didn't have a t- I mean, it's, it's been speculated. He just didn't have the tolerance for it, especially having been clean on set. And then right. what yeah. he did, a speedball that night, mm-hmm. he just, I guess, I mean, hardened drug users can tolerate. Some of them can. Yeah. Speedball sounds like intense. I have That's no, I have no experience yep. with this sort of thing. It <laughs> sounds like, uh, just from what it, uh, no. Um, yeah. Very tragic. I remember, I remember where I was. Uh, Me too. When I heard, where were you on Halloween in '93? Well, I remember the next day uh, I was going to. I went to Esby's house, and we met up, and we um, were going to the movies to see. God, I don't remember. 
Nightmare Before Christmas? No, that wasn't released during Christmas. Or during Halloween. Was yes, it, it was. It was, was it? released in November. Then it might have been Nightmare Before Christmas. Because I, I saw it with her in the theater. Yeah. Um, so it was probably that day. Yeah. I remember walking from like my mom dropping me off, like up to her house and like meeting her at the door and being like, <gasps> Rufi's died. Did you hear? Yeah. I, I, we had celebrated my aunt's 50th birthday the night before and it, I just trip out because I'm going to be 50 next year. Wow. Yeah. And I remember. What is time? What is, <laughs> what really, what is time? Um, but yeah, she'd had a big like birthday party. Our whole family came and then the next night. So it was, I guess it was Sunday. I was at home with my parents and it came on the news. Wow. That he died and I yeah. just couldn't believe it. I mean, I had, I, I don't think, I've never had a celebrity crush to, to equal the right. crush I had on River Phoenix, but I was so shocked because, you know, nowadays we have so much information thrown at us about people we don't know in real time. Yeah, sure. It, yeah, I just had no clue that he had a drug problem. Yeah. So it was just... Very shocking um, and very sad. Um, a really interesting thing that the book does is put into perspective all of River's contemporaries. I mean, of course, we've talked a lot about about Keanu, of just kind of making the two movies with him and that they were very close. But just when you think about it, Ethan Hawke, roughly yep. the same age. Mm-hmm. And when River's career really started to take off, Ethan said that he had to go back to school. Yeah, his career. And just kind of resenting him at the time of just like, well, look at him. Yeah. Like, he's off making these movies, and I have to go back to, like, junior high school. Yeah. And then later, like, Ethan's career, like, caught up, and he kind of carved out this very unique path in Hollywood. But when you look at the career of somebody like Leonardo DiCaprio... When you look at his filmography, can you see River sliding into any of those roles? I well, definitely can. Supposedly, Leonardo DiCaprio claims that he saw River Phoenix that night that they crossed paths. Oh. That they were at a party in either <laughs> Silver Lake or the Hollywood Hills, sure. and he wanted to shake his hand, and he turned and he was gone. Um, and supposedly, that River Phoenix was going to be in the Basketball Diaries. Maybe at an earlier pass, he was. Probably because uh, I think they were trying scripts for it. I think they were developing that movie for a long time. He was going to be in Interview with a Vampire. They were yep, mid shooting the, Chris, the Christian yep. Slater role, yeah. which is so small that it almost seems like too small a role for River Phoenix. Like, right. but I think maybe he just wanted to be part of that adaptation. Yeah, wanted to work with Neil Jordan, important character in the in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, small in the movie, um, but yeah, and I think Christian Slater donated his salary to. Like a drug rehab or something. Yeah, something right? like that. Yeah. 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 Um, was there anything else that he kind of was set to do other than interview? I think that was. I think the, interview the was the big one, one because yeah. he was going to go start filming that right after he wrapped Dark Blood. Right. Which, Dark Blood, I should probably track down that cut on YouTube. I watched of, it on YouTube. It's strung together and they kind of fix it through voiceover uh, a little bit. What'd you think of it? Oh, talk about movies that are a mood that wash over you. Oh, I think that uh, is one also. Sure. Okay. Him and Julie Davis did not get along. 
Not at all. Or, I mean, I think that Judy Davis was just a real huge bitch to him. She called him frat boy on set. Is Which what is I funny because I don't really read frat boy. No, I don't River. see that at all. No, I don't. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's very. <laughs> Not quite a good reason. I think that it was just sort of Judy Davis not really having patience with the young hot star. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. It makes me sad, though, because I, I read that he was like trying to like. Yes. Strike up conversation yeah. He was with trying her. to be nice and like make, make this connection to her, and she wasn't really having it. Yeah. Well, um, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, yeah. Marlene. Oh, thank you, you for having me. You're a very dear me. friend of ours. Yeah, it's yeah. been really fun talking to you tonight. Always. It's always so much fun talking to you. And Absolutely. I love discussing films with you. Yeah. Both. Same, same. Thank you so much. Um, this was a whole lot of fun. And hopefully we'll have you on uh, in the future. For I think we oh, will. Yeah. Thank you. You're very welcome. Well, we'll let you go um, until next time. Thank you, everyone. You're Bye. Welcome. Bye. And thanks so much for listening, everybody. Pete, that was a really fun episode. Uh, I agree. It was really fun. Listeners, definitely track down the book, Last Night at the Viper Room. It is a really interesting read. Yeah. Um, if you're up for a dab, I'm just kidding. I've been rereading some of it to prep for this week's episode, and it's a really, it's a really, it's a really good book, Pete. Sure. You check it out. if uh, Insight into... into you enjoy... My own private Idaho. Yeah. Fan of River Phoenix. Good book. Absolutely. Well, um, it's time to wind it down. So I think it's just about that time. Patreon shout outs. Let's hear them. Patreon shout outs. Uh, We want to say a great big hello and thank you to all of our wonderful supporters on Patreon, including Haley, brand new supporter, and Tammy. Uh, let's see. Roberto, Brett, Tren, Daisy, Kelly, Chrissy, Stephen, Jake, Desiree, Laura, Thomas, Brenna, Jessica, Lawrence, Lexus, Thomas, Millie, Ted, Benny, Jermel, Millie, Susan, JJ, Shelby, Jamie, Drew, Genevieve, Dawn, Joshua, Emma, Millie, Aaron, Jessica, Nick, and Shannon, Christine, and Rufino. You guys. Thank you so much. If you join our Patreon, there is some really fun stuff right now. We are currently doing a television show a month. Yes. This past month, we did The Adventures of Pete and Pete. That was our September episode. And for October, we are going to have a fun Halloween episode. Yes, indeed. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, We're going to be talking about... Uh, some TV shows that uh, that shaped us and formed us and uh, turned us into who we are. We also have all of our Watch With Us commentary tracks. Casper was for the month of <laughs> September. Yes, I made Pete sit down and watch all of Casper with me. Uh, you did. A movie that I love and I think that Pete just puts up with. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. But uh, if you would like to listen to all of our 30-plus commentary tracks, head over to patreon.com slash movies. There's a lot of fun stuff there. Absolutely. And you never know, there might be a bonus episode not on the mainstream of the podcast that is going to end up there. Yes. Keep an eye out for fun stuff all the time. Come to our Patreon. So thank you so much for supporting all of the donations from Patreon. Go directly to keeping this show up and running. We really appreciate it. Every week ad free 
All right. So check that out. And um, we'd also love it if you would uh, subscribe and follow on um, any of your podcast apps that uh, that you use. And give us five stars. Absolutely. If you're an Apple podcast or on Spotify, there's a five star rating. Give us the five. Really stars. helps out. You know, those five star ratings, they actually do help. Uh, and so do the written reviews. If you have an iPhone, Apple Podcast is pre-installed. Even if you don't listen to us on that, just open up the podcast app, search for Movies That Made Us Gay, hit five stars, and then just write us a little note. I if love this show. If you're wandering through the Apple Store, yeah, open the podcast <laughs> app <laughs> on one of the MacBook open Airs or iPads. Every iPad you see. Go Play to the episode <laughs> and give us a five-star review. <laughs> yeah. And all that I stuff sometimes really do helps <laughs> us out. So um, thank you so much for doing that. And re- new reviews. We'll read them on the podcast, just like uh, just right about this time. So, yeah, head over and do that. You can also follow us on any and all of the social media platforms. We are most active on Instagram. We are at Movies at Gay, as well as on Facebook. We are on X, formerly known as Twitter, Threads, Blue Sky. If you're on Blue Sky, go follow us there. We're not that active, but we're learning. Um, and we're at MTMEG Pod on all of those. You can go ahead and follow our personal accounts. My name is Scott Youngballer on Instagram and follow my letterbox. Yes, I am Peter Lasagna on uh, Instagram and um, X. So give us a follow if you like, if you yeah. dare. But um, until next time, everybody. Bye. Bye.